and welcome back to Kinda Sorta Walking Away from Arcadia. This is Victor. Simon and I have been off the air for a bit, catching our breath. We got in sort of way in over our heads there at the end with how much time the podcast was taking. We took a short break. We regrouped. We did put out an announcement saying that Walking Away from Arcadia as Everyone knew it would not be coming back. That is still true, but we are still working on some projects and we wanted to share some information about that. And we will likely be coming back with occasional episodes, just not on a regular recording schedule. So the thing that we have redirected our creative focus to is writing. Simon and I are both working on a number of projects for the White Wolf Storytellers Vault. I expect a lot of our listeners know what the Storyteller's Vault is, but if any of you don't, you can look up storytellersvault.com. It's a community content development program that White Wolf started. At this point, basically all of their products are available on the vault, which means that individuals can create full game books using the fonts, the layout templates, Everything else that White Wolf already had, they've made available. They've made a lot of the art from the old books available. They're regularly releasing more art. And so then community members from just the the fandom can go in and create texts and sell them and get some of the profits through this portal. I'm about to release a mage product. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Simon's going to ask me some questions and and we're going to get into what I'm making. And then in the future, we might... Well, we probably will do similar episodes on some of our other products. So then I guess I will kick it over to Simon to start asking me questions about the first thing we're doing. All right. So (laughs) first question is, what's mage? Mage. Mage is a glorious, wonderful mess. Mage was my first real love in the world of darkness, The thing that got me into the world of darkness was Vampire Dark Ages, but the first game I really, like, fell in love with was Mage. And it's big, and it's weird, and it's hard to wrangle into a shape, and players take stories off the rails ten times faster than they do in other role-playing games, which is already pretty fast. Yeah, Mage, you, you play ultimately, like, the pinnacle of what humans can be, if they're motivated and driven and are interested in reshaping the world into what they think would be better, they can almost never agree on what is better, which is the primary conflict in Mage. But yeah, it's a little weird and a little esoteric, but also very, very human. Yeah, I don't know. I like to think of Mage as like where Changeling is about the feel, Mage is about the thought. Yes, that is that is pretty much true. Changeling and Mage have a lot of overlap. I would say of all the games in the World of Darkness, they're the two that are the most compatible, and I've talked with a lot of fans who feel the same way. So, yeah, I'm doing a Mage product for my, my first release on the Vault, And I had started ideas for a bunch of changeling things when I started doing this mage book. Ultimately, I did the mage thing first because they released mage onto the storyteller's vault about three, 
three months before they made Changeling available. And so I thought, oh, I'll do this thing and get it out before Changeling's available. And things did not move that quickly. <laughs> but it's almost done. I'm waiting on one art piece from a friend. So my first book, A Phoenix Rising, should be coming out soon. And Simon helped edit it. So he's he's seen this crazy thing that I put together. <laughs> what did you put together? It's, well... I put together a chronicle jumpstart to steal some terminology from Onyx Path. I wanted to see if I could do an adventure module for Mage, because Mage has a long reputation for not really having good adventures. Uh, White Wolf released a few adventure modules for Mage. They're not great. I know there are people out there that have a deep love on with Samuel Hate. I'm not going to say those people are wrong, but I'm not going to say they're not. Um, so, yeah, if you are at all interested in that whole mess, look up Sam Hate if you don't know who he is. It's it's a rip. Um, that's probably, you know, the chaos factor and all that are probably the best known mage adventures, and they're not well thought of by the fandom. There were a couple other attempts here or there, and they, they're all messy. It's hard to write a chronicle for mage because your players are going to take their crazy reality bending powers and bend reality and your story is going to fall apart. You have to run mage in a very flexible way. So I went, can I do an adventure? Can I make this work? And I started out thinking, okay, well, what do I need when I start a chronicle when I'm just doing it for myself? I need a primary conflict, not necessarily a main antagonist. I'm a big fan of conflict in mage not necessarily a primary baddie when i write npcs that i think this is going to be a villain half the time they end up incorporated into the pcs like social network it's weird and then characters that i don't think will be primary villains turn into them because the players decide that person wants a different world than i do and it all goes downhill so the more flexible the better you never know what the hell your players are going to bring to the table so I started out saying, oh, hey, can I do an adventure? And then I went, okay, so I need this starting primary conflict. So I wrote a short chapter of setting and an event that's happening that could drive a whole story arc at the beginning of a chronicle. I need NPCs. So I wrote a couple NPCs. And from like a campaign module adventure standpoint, you need player templates. When I'm running a game, my players bring the PCs, but with an adventure supplement, a lot of times, you know, you have new players, you just want to pick something up, read it, start playing. And so I wanted to get as close to that as you can with Mage, like that's a tall order. But I built nine NPCs. I originally wanted to do three traditionalists, three disparates, and three technocrats. I ended up with four traditionalists, two of whom... Well, two or three, depending on how you read them, are sort of begrudging tradition members, and one is a true loyalist, two disparates, and three technocrats. So it kind of evens out to that. You have some strong disparate sympathies among the traditionalists in what I wrote. And so you can mix and match them and create whatever you want, and there's some starting story seeds so I really tried to write a toolbox of, okay, what's going to be the, what's going to get me to playable as quickly as possible, but work for Mage instead of try to like 
do a campaign. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was reading through it, doing my editing passes, the thing that it reminded me of more than like a standard D&D campaign where like the whole plot is mapped out for you. Uh, more than that, it reminded me of the three immortalized books for Changeling, where you get the setting, you get a bunch of players, you get some potential conflict, go. Yeah, and I mean, Mage especially needs the flexible approach. That said, I actually think this kind of model is ideal for a lot of the World of Darkness games. Um, Maybe all of them. So pretending that I'm somebody who uses campaign modules, what's the elevator pitch for where this fits into the mage plot? The elevator pitch for where this fits into the mage plot is really, you want to crash course on the Ascension War and have it make sense and apply to you. This is the campaign for you. This is the starting point. One of the other things I really wanted to do with this particular campaign or this jumpstart is I wanted to try and make the parts of Mage that everyone says are not accessible, accessible. I have seen so many players complain, oh, the Ascension War is too weird. It's too esoteric. It's too out there. You know, it's all these high-minded masters trying to rewrite the world. But really, we do that every day. Like, our whole lives, especially in the age of social media, are filled with arguments about what should the world be. And if you think differently than my version of that, you're wrong. And so I feel like the Ascension War can be accessible, and I I tried to do that. It's said in this moment when the traditions are choosing to elect a new council in the M20 canon, They've reformed after the whole, you know, catastrophe that was the end of Revised for all the groups leading up to what would be the end, and then we didn't really end things. So they've reformed, but they don't have a leadership council. What does that mean? And it's left as a hanging question mark in the core book. And in this setting, they are forming a new council. And for whatever reason, they're doing it in kind of a technocratic stronghold of Las Vegas. And there's a bunch of disparate activity because... Las Vegas is in Nevada, you're near Burning Man, you're near a lot of, you know, alternative communities. And so I wanted it to be, you know, these PC templates are starting characters. I didn't give them extra experience or freebie points. So you're street level, you're very starting, low-powered street level. And this great big huge thing is happening around you. And all the characters have like real world lived opinions about why this is a good or a bad thing and why it affects them and what they're trying to do with their lives. And I really wanted to try and make this core plot idea not esoteric and weird. I wanted it to feel relatable and meaningful to humans. So yeah, if you want to dive in and and learn the mage meta plot and not deal with that 700-page monster that is the core book, I, I think this is a good way to tackle that. When you were writing it, did you have a particular group composition in mind? I didn't, actually. One of the chapters is just scenarios. And so there are a number of different starting positions. The whole first chapter of the book is, here's what's going on. There's this convocation to select a new council. 
you know, why did, how does the technocracy feel about it? What's going on? How do the disparates feel? It kind of presents what the common knowledge on the street is about what's happening. The second chapter is a bunch of scenarios that include what's really going on behind the scenes. And each of those are optimized for a different group of players. The first few are really meant to be technocratic union stories. I just started there. I don't know why I started there. But it starts with the technocratic union and you start with player groups that are made up primarily of the technocrats and maybe tradition templates where those traditionalists defected to the union or are aligning with the union for one reason or another. Then there are a couple scenarios that are really heavily focused on the disparate point of view and the two disparate characters and then the traditionalists that maybe would quit the traditions or would strongly ally themselves with disparates against a strong union council, even though they're technically members, you know, that might be your player group. The last couple scenarios and assumptions about what's really going on in the background are focused on traditionalists. So Mage is all about different perspectives. They're not being one objective truth. They're being the many, many layers of truths created by mages and by normal people and you know, truth is never simple. And so I wanted to create a module that also lent itself to that. Anybody can pick this module up and play it, no matter who your kind of preferred faction is in the Ascension War. What books would you recommend people picking up your module? What, what would you recommend that they already have? So I'd recommend that they have a copy of Mage the Ascension 20th Anniversary Edition. And for anyone new to Mage, you will be intimidated when you see this book. It's 700 pages. You do not need to read the entire thing. <laughs> the only parts I'd say you really need to read before playing this module, kind of the opening history stuff, read about the three factions, scan the individual, you know, disparates, conventions, and traditions, find the ones that are interesting to you, um, read the ones that have character templates in the module, but you don't need to read all of that, and read the core magic rules. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there about like the digital web and the spirit wilds and crazy complicated rules for creating nodes and wonders and all of these other things. You don't need to read any of that. None of that is important. Just the sections of the book I, I just listed are probably a good primer. And that's about as much as like a normal sized core book would be. The other thing I would recommend is pick up the M20 Book of Secrets. M20 Book of Secrets is just kind of a, a player's guide grab bag of extra mage stuff. There are some nice character creation things at the beginning that won't be so needed because, you know, this module has templates. But there's stuff at the back of the book that deals with the discipline, um, the law and order that the three factions use, how they deal with criminals among the awakened. And some of what I read in that definitely led me to think about, you know, what would it be like living under these regimes if you didn't agree with everything they were doing? Like, what are the implications of a very strong tradition council if you're sort of hyper-impacted by the negative aspects of the traditions, even as a mystic. So reading that section, I think, would, would give you some good extra information for as your campaign moves past the initial starting scenarios. 
I think those would be the most important things. And then beyond that, you know, that's going to give you a lot of extra content to kind of dive into over time as you keep playing the campaign if you want. Beyond that, you could go any direction you, you really want to, but that that's probably a good starting point. And then I guess the last two important questions are, how long do you think a table would spend playing this? And who wins? <laughs> so how long would a table spend playing this? The idea of this tradition council grew out of a Gen Con game that I ran. We did it as a one-shot. We kind of went through and, and uncovered all the conspiracies in one game because it's a convention game. It played pretty well. It was fun. Um, it was rushed. I think you could do anything from three or four sessions if you really just want to dig in, do kind of a mini-series approach, uncover the mysteries of what's really going on, and and reveal the, the murderer and pull the mask off Scooby-Doo style. Or this could be the start of a multi-year campaign. I think if you did a multi-year campaign you'd probably resolve the whole election of the council thing in maybe a few months of play. And then, you know, you're left with the question of, okay, so we had a major influence on this thing that's going to define the awakened world probably for a generation. Now, what do we want to do in that world? That's a really important question to mages. So this could be the starting point of moving into your own campaign that you really build for yourself. So I think these characters and a set of events that are influenced by what's in this jumpstart, you could go for quite a while. Um, the core conundrum presented is, is probably a moderate level story. So you're not going to tell us who wins? Oh, no. No, I'm not. I, I mean, who knows who wins? Like I said, there are like, what, I'd have to go back and, and look at the manuscript, but I want to say at least five different set of assumptions about what's really going on anyway so it's who wins is who you want to win at your table what winning means is also pretty questionable in this setting the whole situation that that i've presented is uh, weird and no one's motivations make a lot of sense when you initially look at them you really kind of have to unravel what's going on i also introduce a couple technocratic ideas that are relatable and yet really gross. I'm curious how people feel about the technocracy's view of deviance as presented in this particular module. So yeah, no idea who wins. Table by table winners all around. <laughs> okay, so that has been fleeing away from Dosatep. <laughs> so I I have, a, I have a question for you just before we sure. wrap up. Do you want to share any details, probably just like a 30-second pitch of any of the projects you are working on or I guess we are working on collectively that people might see in the first half of the year for Changeling? The one that's closest to done is um, I'm working on a project that looks at the effects of colonialism and highlights the place that should have in Changeling the Dreaming's meta plot, especially surrounding Concordia. And that's the one that's closest to done right now. It'll probably be another month-ish still. Yeah, I'm doing some editing work on that. 
Let's turn about for the very hefty editing job Simon took on for the Mage Project. And I'm I'm excited about that book. I'm also going to be helping with layout. So, yeah, I think this quarter is likely <laughs> to reveal myself as a horrible syndicate shill. <laughs> when you said you weren't rooting for the technocracy, you were lying. Hey, I said different winners at every table. In terms of who I'm rooting for, eh, I like Sarah Jane. <laughs> yeah well (laughs) no she's awful but i kind of like her because she's awful (laughs) yeah i feel the same way about evelyn to be honest (laughs) uh and soon all of you listeners will get to find out who we're talking about so we will we will stop being horrible teases thank you for listening um and and listening to us blabber on about our personal projects especially once we get into the changeling stuff we'll probably do a little bit more of the analysis why did we do these things picking apart details that we did in last season it's only willing to get so far into that territory with mage it's a little more complicated there um but yes we will return to our changeling focus before too much longer but uh i hope some of you pick up the adventure um Simon and I put a lot of work into it. I mean, Simon came on late for editing, but it it improved the quality of the book a lot. I, I cannot say enough how much Simon's input improved this book. So I'm looking forward to getting it out there, and I, I hope people enjoy it. Oh, that made my tiny black heart grow two sizes. <laughs> we'll be back eventually. <laughs>